Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Oh, man, I feel the energy already. This is wonderful. Middle of summer. Uh, it is good to be back. I'm thankful for the opportunity uh, to share once again. And, uh, you know, um, as was mentioned, I, my family and I are in the middle of a transition and we're getting ready to, to leave. And uh, I've been asked uh, a few different times to just kind of share a bit of our story and preach and bring the word. And so this morning, I kind of hope to to do kind of a, a mashup of that of sorts. And so uh, we'll be sharing about the theme of journeying and uh, how that intersects with the Christian life. And so um, our background text this morning will be John chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 9. I want to read that passage and really just have that passage be in the background as I start to share some, some thoughts about, about journeying and, and what it means to, to go to God. Um, but before I, I, I do that, I want to just start from where my wife and I really started 20 years ago. Because in 10 days, which would be July 19th, will be the 20-year anniversary that I witnessed the murder of a homeless young man here in downtown Denver. And witnessing that is what changed the trajectory of our life, really. Uh, I, you know, Jamie and I had just been married uh, about a year I was writing for a magazine, had aspirations of being a, a big-time sports journalist, uh, and was sent to Denver to write a story about the plight of marginalized and homeless youth. And the events that I saw during the course of this trip, which resulted in a young man by the name of Perry losing his life to a stabbing on 16th and Arapahoe streets downtown, uh, I was shook. We were living in Missouri at the time, and so when I went back to Missouri, Jamie and I had a lot of serious conversations about what I had seen and how uh, the church was supposed to reach people like Perry. How we were, a how are we going to be able to, as the church, you know, bring these people in and 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 reach them with the gospel? And one of the things that resulted, one of the conversations that came out of that was um, a decision by Jamie and I to to. Um, say yes to God no matter what that would mean for the rest of our lives. We had just bought a house uh, and I, you know, we're, we're moving, we're getting ready to move. So we've been going through a ton of just papers and a lot of old stuff and packing and, and, and downsizing and everything like that. We actually found the contract for the very first house that we bought together, $87,000 house, right? So we were rolling, man. We're, 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 we're rolling and uh, the thing I remember about that house is it had a 10-foot by 20-foot deck. And that deck was like my pride and joy because we had a large backyard. Uh, to this day, the largest backyard we've ever had and never had a backyard deck since then. But it over, there, was, there were no other houses behind us. It was kind of a downslope, and you could just see out into the, the green pasture. And the, the, there was like a, a farm behind us, and, and horses were there. And it was just so pleasant and peaceful and wonderful. We had just built that house. We had just you know, moved in. And I come to Denver, and I, I experience what, what happened here uh, July 19th, 2003. And then we go back, and we start to have these conversations. And we lived in that house for a total of 11 months. We listed it for sale, we sold it, we moved to Denver, and we started working toward what would become Urban Outreach Denver. And I share that story simply to say that that was the beginning of a journey for us that we had no idea where that journey was going to lead. That was the beginning of something that I, be, I believe 
began to, to orientate the, the posture for which we have tried to live our lives. This Christian life is a journey. And as we read from John chapter 13, uh, this passage I want to really uh, begin to provide context for us as we share, uh, as we learn from this dinner scene. Of course, you know I would bring something to the table today that would result in a dinner scene from one of the Gospels. But this passage will, will bring some things hopefully to light for us this morning that I believe will help us uh, understand what it means to live this Christian life. So let's go ahead and read from our text this morning. John chapter 13, we'll read verses 1 through 9. It'll be up on the screen. And by the way, welcome to you, uh, those of you who are joining us online this morning. We're happy to have you as well. And let's read together from John's Gospel, chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I want this passage to kind of linger in the background, especially verse 7, and then we'll come back to it in a moment. I'm going to attempt to connect a few dots here between some of our story, as I've mentioned, this passage, and also from uh, some thoughts from Eugene Peterson's book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. So this will be kind of a teaching, preaching attempt. And the reason why I mentioned Peterson's book is because uh, particularly in chapter 2, the way he characterizes repentance depicts this theme that my wife Jamie and I have tried to make central to our marriage, to our journey with God as a family, and to our ministry life. Now, please hear me when I say, by no means are we perfect. Okay, By no means. You can ask those who know me uh, maybe better, a little more, more closely, and they know what kind of a moron I can be and how many mistakes I make. By no means do I want to give the sense that we, you know, hey, look at us, not at all. But I feel like one thing we did get right was that we determined to give God our yes from the very beginning. That is to say that we pledged that whatever it was that we felt God leading us to do, at whatever stage of life we were in, our answer by God's grace would be yes. This meant that during those times where we felt like God may have been shifting things around or uh, calling us to something new or difficult, our prayers would entail asking God how he would like for us to proceed or when he would like us to proceed versus should we or shouldn't we. We thought of it as a commitment to going wherever God required us to be 
and staying there for as long as he required us to be there. However, we didn't understand what the implications, the significance, or the cost of that decision would be at that time. Still, I believe as John 13, 7 uh, intimates, God was willing and even excited to take our yes and make something beautiful out of it. And that decision has led to an amazing journey, uh, one that I know would not have happened otherwise. And the way that this idea intersects with Peterson's book is that in his chapter on repentance, he talks about repentance being the first step toward God and how this step is a step away from the lies of the world. He says it like this, It is a renunciation of the lies we have been told about ourselves and our neighbors and our universe. So in other words, when we're living a life of sin apart from repentance, what we're doing is we're, we're buying into or believing the lie that this is the best way for me to live my life. This is the best way for me to navigate life's journey on this earth. Whatever our philosophical or moral reasons might be for doing that, this is the best way for me to be happy. So then repentance is a decision to turn away from believing truth as the world defines it and believing truth as God defines it. And it's this decision uh, that Peterson says what makes Christians a pilgrim people. As we begin to find a path to God through the labyrinth of sin. I love how Peterson puts it because he says that, that now as Christians we are going someplace. We are going, in fact, to God. And as Christians, it is the truth of God that explains our lives. It is the grace of God that fulfills our lives. It is the forgiveness of God that renews our lives. And it is the love of God that blesses our lives. And these gifts are absolutely necessary for us in this journey. This is a journey then that begins with a yes that is actually a no. Peterson says it like this, Repentance, the first word in Christian immigration, sets us on the way to traveling in the light. It is a rejection that is also an acceptance, a leaving that develops into an arriving a no to the world that is a yes to God. Reading this chapter has helped me understand what Jamie and I were really doing all those years ago when we proactively and naively said yes to God. In fact, I believe serving God takes a little bit of naivete. It's not to say that we need to dumb down our thought process in order to come to God fully, but in fact, what we really need to do is we need to be a people that are actually crazy enough or naive enough to take God at his word. I mean, we actually have to be willing at some point to be reading through the word of God and take him at his word. And the way that we take God at his word is by putting into practice what we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us to do. Anyone who has walked with Jesus for any amount of time can agree that it can be really difficult to walk the road that he has laid before you, especially when you don't understand why. And over the years, as we have walked with Jesus, we've realized that our commitment to go wherever God required us to be and to stay there 
for as long as he required us to be there, wasn't as much about where we were going geographically or even vocationally, so much as going to God himself. It's going to God himself. Now, to be sure, this might sound ironic coming from me at a time where we're getting ready to make the biggest move of our lives to go to, to England, you know, it's, it's like, well, we're following God and it's requiring us to move geographically and it's requiring a change of vocation for me. Um, but as I've come to learn, this going to God, this is the journey that we signed up for. It just so happens that we're actually preparing to become American immigrants to England. And for me, it's thoughts like this that connect to a theme that I believe we see bring brought out by our passage here in John 13 this morning. And that is this, returning to Jesus wholeheartedly, even when we don't have the full picture of what he's doing. So as we turn our attention back to our passage, what's happening here at this dinner scene is highly unusual. In fact, it's inappropriate for a rabbi to not only remove his outer clothing and prepare himself to wash the feet of his disciples, that is more than just taboo. That's complete just, what are you doing? This should not be taking place at this dinner. If anything, it's the disciples who should be washing their rabbi's feet. But if you know me, you've, you know that I love the Gospel of Luke, and we see in the Gospel of Luke and in all the Gospels, that all Jesus is doing here, and in fact we can read the rest of chapter 13 to see this, what's happening here is this continuation of a theme here of reversal, a theme here of this upside-down nature of the kingdom of God that Jesus is teaching to his disciples in this moment and to us today. So then in verses 8 and 9, we go from Peter saying what must have been on the minds of all the disciples. There's no way I'm going to let you wash my feet, Jesus. To Jesus responding with, well, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. So then Peter responds with, well, in that case, wash my hands and my head. While Peter certainly understands the idea on one level of what's going on with this foot washing ceremony that seemingly comes up impromptu like with, with Jesus here, on a much larger scale, scale, he has no idea what's going on. He could never grasp it. In fact, let's look here at the last part of verse 7. So when we read here, the NIV would say, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. That's, that's typically how you will find it uh, you know, being, being written here in, in popular versions. The New King James, but you will know after this. New Living Translation, but someday you will. But what the text is actually saying is uh, that after these things, you will understand. What I am doing, you do not understand now, but after these things, you will understand. By these things, Jesus isn't referring to the foot washing ceremony, but to the events of his life, death, resurrection, and exaltation back to the Father. I mean, think about it. Jesus' words make no sense at all if all he's talking about is washing their feet. It would be like Jesus saying, unless I personally wash your feet physically, you can have no part of me. You cannot be my disciple. It doesn't make any sense. So then Peter is saying, well, then, Lord, I want everything to do with you. 
This is crazy that you are actually as our rabbi, and of course they believe him to be the son of God, so much more than just a Jewish rabbi, but the son of God, you're going to wash our feet? This cannot be. Jesus says, I must wash your feet or you can have no part with me. Well, in that case, Jesus, wash me from head to toe. And the rest of the disciples too. Even Judas. Think about what's happening at this dinner scene. We have a dinner here where Jesus has prepared this meal. He has set this meal up. Everyone has a place at this meal. Even Peter, even Judas. Jesus knows that Judas, we see it from our passage, has already been influenced by Satan to betray Jesus. Yet he has a serving, he has a place at this meal. Jesus knows that Peter will deny him three times, yet Peter has a place, a setting at this table. In fact, all the disciples would go on the night of Jesus' uh, 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 arrest. He, they would all desert him, yet they had a place prepared for them at his table. This is highly unusual. And yet, in the midst of their imperfection, in the midst of their betrayal, in the midst of their, their weakness of faith, they had given yes, their yes to God, besides Judas, of course. And they couldn't possibly understand all of the cosmic ramifications, implications that Jesus' life and time spent with them would bring out. But while they were still a work in progress, Jesus took them by the hand and began to lead them on this new immigrant journey that today we call Christianity because they said yes to him. After Jesus was raised from the dead and, and ascended back to the Father, the apostles continued this immigrant journey under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And as they did this, I have a strong sense that they did so with Jesus' words etched into their memory, into their heart. What I am doing now, you do not understand, but after these things, you will understand. It's almost like some kind of a transference has occurred. Jesus was referring to the things surrounding his purpose for coming to earth. Yet as the disciples continued to live and carry out the Great Commission in the first century, the things that they endured for the sake of the gospel began to carry a new or a certain significance in their life. I can imagine them as they, as they go from there, you know, to, from the scene in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit is poured out and Peter's preaching this powerful sermon. And, and then they go from there and they continue to live out the gospel and as they face persecution, asking the questions, why are we being persecuted? Why are we suffering? Why are people dying for the sake of the gospel? Why is the Roman Empire trying to, trying to crush us? Why must we endure this? Likewise, as we endeavor to carry out our lives, to, 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 to live our daily lives. I pray that this passage will help us understand that after these things, after our triumphs, after our trials, after our tribulations, so too will we understand the plans and the purpose of God's will. If not in this age, then in the age to come. A couple of finishing thoughts here as we bring this to a close. The first would be this, 
May we go to God as often as possible. Church, we are a pilgrim people. Immigrants in this world. And our journey is to God. Go to God in your repentance. Go to God in your joy. Go to God in your thankfulness. Go to God in your despair. Go to God in your awe and in your uncertainty. During our lifetimes, this journey may involve a change in scenery or even vocation, or it may not. But our journey is to and with God. Giving God your yes at the outset, it defines the way that you orient yourself toward God. As I mentioned, there are many times where I feel like Jamie and I have been tested where if we hadn't given that yes to God, it might have changed the way we prayed in response to what we felt God leading us to do. Sometimes we think, you know, do I have a choice here? Do I, you know, is this something I want to do? And we feel God leading us to to do something or we feel maybe life's circumstances have have brought us to a certain doorstep or a certain precipice in life and and we feel like, wow, you know, uh, do I want to do this, God, even though you're asking me to do this? When we give God our yes at the outset, it's more a prayer now of, God, help me to do this. This seems impossible. But God, I've told you, yes. Whether it means, you know, uh, 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 something that is going to make my life entirely uncertain or perhaps unfamiliar to everything that I know, God, I've given you my yes. Our journey is to God. So it shapes the way, it shapes our posture toward God. The second thought would be this, whatever we have worked hard for in life, whatever we have accumulated or stored up for ourselves, may we ask God for the strength to obediently and courageously put everything we own on the line if what he asks us to do requires it. May we never let material possessions or the comfort of where we live or what we do be the reason we rescind or restrict our yes to God. May we hold them loosely. I was chuckling the other day because our family, we, we had kind of gotten to a point where, and we're still filtering through everything, but we've downsized dramatically, right? We've, we've now gotten to the point where everything we own is in a 10 by 5 storage box right now, storage container. No TV, no couch, no, I mean, I sold my, my skis, everything else, we sold it. And I'm thinking, God, I really hope that you're in this. I believe you are. But my goodness, this is getting real. And I'm thankful for my wife who reminds me in these moments, we have always said that this is the way we want to live. In moments when my faith has been weak, say, I want to keep some of my stuff. I, I, I like my stuff. I want to keep it. But if what God is asking you to do requires you to put everything you own on the line, I pray for myself as well, not just for you, but for all of us as the, as the body of Christ, that we would never let our material possessions rescind or restrict our yes to God. My prayer is that I would always choose cheerfully to hold on to my stuff loosely. The disciples laid it all on the line to pursue God's will for their lives. They left everything they knew. 
And for us, it frankly tears our hearts to leave this city, this community that we've called home for a very long time. But it reminds us that we have a lot to be thankful for. Third thought would be this. May we stay faithful to Jesus and to his word. May we journey to him and with him because he has some beautiful things to show us. You know, this again shapes the way we think of ourselves in relation to God. The Christian life isn't a life of doing for God. It's not a life of trying to live such a morally pure life that we, without perhaps even thinking about it, are are attempting to, to force God into a corner so that he is obligated to bless us because we've lived and done everything that we know how to do right. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is a journey with God. It's an adventure with God. Make no mistake, he's in charge of where we go. He's in charge of when we make a stop or when we say let's continue on. He's in charge, but we place our hand in his hand and we let him guide us on this journey. And there will be times when that journey will terrify you. There will be times when that journey calls uh, everything that you love and know, it'll call it out onto the carpet. There are times when that journey will, will expose your motives that have become selfish. And I'm speaking of everything I've experienced in my journey. There are times when God will call it all out onto the carpet and he will demand payment. He will demand a demonstration as to whether or not you really believe what you proclaim to believe. This is the journey, but let me tell you, there is no more beautiful journey in this life. There is no more beautiful journey. Remember Jesus' words. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Church, these words will always be true. Unless Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes away a person's sins, has washed that person She or he can have no part with him. Those are sobering words. I like how Duran Gray says it. He says that we must be soaked in the blood of Jesus. Going through this life soaked in the blood of Jesus. This means that when we face challenges in life, we're not shy to return to God for forgiveness, but that we're anxious, we're in a hurry to return to the Father because we know what the result is of us returning to the Father. It's Him responding to us with arms wide open and ready and willing and anxious to receive us. I'm thankful that, you know, Jamie and I, we made that commitment, but my goodness, it's twists and turns all through our lives. We know this to be true. But God works with our imperfect, our our imperfect yes. He works with all of our imperfections. And even when it gets hard, remember that what he is doing now, you may not understand. But after these things, you will understand. Church, in a way, I think this passage is calling us to live life with an eternal perspective. A heavenly perspective that helps us see what this Christian life is really all about. So, 
Here's the thing. We all have an opportunity now to give back, perhaps, or give for the first time our yes to God. To respond to Him with faith that would say, God, I trust you to lead us on this journey, to lead me and my family on this journey, to lead me on this journey, whatever whatever that's going to look like, God, I tell you right now, up front for the rest of my life, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. It may not involve a, a change in vocation. It may not involve a change of, of continent. But whatever you ask me to do, I tell you yes. So now, Lord, give me the faith. Give me the strength that when you require something difficult of me, I will say yes even in those moments. And I will seek your wisdom for how to navigate this as opposed to, should I take this step of faith? Church, I promise you, I promise you, it's worth it. I have no idea what's going to happen in England. I have no idea. There's days that both Jamie and I have woken up scared to death. What are we doing? What are we doing? At the end of the day, I want to look back at my life if God allows me to live for another 40 years and say, you know what? We tried it. We tried it. And we felt like the Lord was leading us, so we did it. But whatever that is in your life, we're about to enter into a time of response now. I'm going to pray, and then you see the cross here. You can write down a prayer request. You can partake of communion Or maybe you simply need to say, Jesus, I need to give you my yes. I need to give you my life because I want you to lead this journey. I've been leading it, and it's it's gone nowhere. So after I pray, you are free to partake and participate in this response time and ask Jesus to help us understand that we may not understand now what he's doing, but after these things, we'll understand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. You are so good to us. You're faithful. You're true. You're good. How scary it would be if you were an all-powerful God who wasn't all good and faithful. Jesus, I pray for those in this room today that it's been too long that they have restricted or rescinded their yes to you. Maybe at one point they were, they, they were living in that, in that lane and, and they were trusting you, but, but things have happened and I, I pray that today would be the day that they say, Lord, I, I give my heart, my, my soul, my yes back to you. You lead the way. I'm tired of leading it on my own. And Lord, I pray that we would begin this journey with you anew. I pray, Lord, that you would Grant us by your mercy the ability to see life on this earth more with a a heavenly and eternal perspective. That the things we think are so important to us now that we would realize they're really not that important. But also that the things we're going through at this stage in our lives, whatever that might, might look like, There are real hurts, real pains, real situations that we have been through, that we're going through right now. And certainly we know that there are some real situations that some of us will be stepping into in the future. 
So I pray that right now we would choose to give you that yes, to walk with you, so that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will be walking it hand in hand with you and trusting you to lead the way. In the name of Jesus, amen.